The following is a presentation of God Questions Ministries. What is holy laughter? The term holy laughter was coined to describe a phenomenon during which a person laughs uncontrollably, presumably as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit's joy. It is characterized by peals of uncontrollable laughter, sometimes accompanied by swooning or falling down to the floor. First-hand accounts from those who have had this experience vary somewhat, but all seem to believe it to be a sign of blessing or anointing of the Holy Spirit. The experience of holy laughter is, by nature, a subjective one. Therefore, in an effort to find the truth of the matter, we must try to be objective. When our definition of truth depends upon our experience of the world, we are a very short way from becoming entirely relative in our thinking. In short, feelings do not tell us what is true. Feelings are not bad, and sometimes our feelings are aligned with scriptural truth. However, they are more often aligned with our sin nature. The fickle nature of the heart makes it a very unreliable compass. The heart is more deceitful than all else, and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17, verse 9. This deceitful heart principle is specifically applicable to the phenomenon known as holy laughter. There is no doubt that people have indeed begun to laugh uncontrollably at revival meetings. That is a fact. But what does it really mean? Laughter is addressed a number of times in the Bible. It is often used to describe a mocking or scornful response, as was the case with Abraham and Sarah, who laughed when God told them they would bear a child in their old age. Some verses use it as a sign of derision, such as Psalm 59, verse 8. And still others make pointed statements about the nature of laughter itself. Solomon, for example, made the following observation in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 2. I said of laughter, it is madness, and of pleasure, what does it accomplish? He then goes on to say in chapter 7, verse 3, Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. Proverbs 14, verse 13 says the reverse. Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. Both of these verses are true. A sad person may laugh to cover his sadness, and a person may cry, although inwardly he is happy. So not only does emotion fail to give us truth, but we can also see that laughter is not always indicative of joy, but can mean anger, sadness, or derision. Likewise, the lack of laughter does not automatically mean sadness. Laughter is clearly subjective. The most convincing scriptural argument against what is called holy laughter is found in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If self-control is a fruit of the Spirit of God, how can uncontrollable laughter also be a fruit of His Spirit? Revival leaders claim that being filled with the Spirit means that we are sort of tossed about by His whims. But the idea that God would make people act drunk or laugh uncontrollably or make animal noises as a result of the Spirit's anointing is directly opposed to the way the Spirit acts, according to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. The Spirit described in Galatians 5 is one that promotes self-control within us, not the opposite. Finally, there was no one in the Bible more filled with the Holy Spirit than Jesus, and not once does the Bible ever record him laughing. In light of these things, it is profitable to take a look at the following passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where Paul talks about speaking in tongues. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation, or of knowledge, or of prophecy, or of teaching? Verse 6. For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? 
so also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Verses 8 and 9. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two, or at the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Verses 26-28 through 28. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Verse 33 In those days many people in the churches were speaking in languages that were unrecognizable to others, and therefore Paul says they were useless in the church because the speaker could not edify others with his speech. The same could be applied to holy laughter. What does it profit, Paul asks, unless we speak to one another with revelation, teaching, knowledge, and truth? Again, he says, let all things be done for edification. He caps off his argument by saying, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, which makes it clear that he does not want the atmosphere within the church to be one of confusion and meaninglessness, but one of knowledge and edification. It seems, from what Paul is saying, that which is called holy laughter would fall under the category of that which is not edifying to the body of Christ, and should therefore be avoided. We have recognized that a. Laughter is an unreliable emotional response, b. It can be a sign of several different emotions, and c. It does not accomplish anything useful. Furthermore, uncontrollable spasms of emotion are contrary to the nature of the Holy Spirit. It is advisable, therefore, not to look to holy laughter as a means of growing nearer to God or as a means of experiencing His Spirit. God Questions Ministry seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical answers to today's questions. Online at gotquestions.org.